Well, as we get rolling this morning, a uh, reminder, there's other things in your bulletin you can read about and uh, encourage you to do that. Uh, one I failed to mention just a bit ago, bit ago, though, is do you notice the Christmas decorations this morning? Pretty exciting, isn't it? And uh, I know Sarah Vanderyden, did you and your family or who else helped you? Anybody? Just you? Well, thank you. And that looks fantastic. Yeah. So we're grateful for that. And um, hey, this morning, we are going to wrap up our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. We haven't looked at every passage in Ecclesiastes, but we've looked at uh, many of the key themes. And this morning, we get to the end of the book where Solomon actually gives his own conclusion. This is a preacher's dream where you don't have to come up with a conclusion for your series or for your message. Like Solomon, he's literally written it down at the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And we'll get to that this morning. But you know, uh, Ecclesiastes, maybe you're here for the first time this morning hearing some of this, and Ecclesiastes is a book that's, that's tricky to understand. It, it's difficult to make sense of at times. And it's written at the end of King Solomon's life. Solomon was king of Israel after his father David, and under Solomon, uh, Israel was the most prosperous it's ever been. Its borders were the largest they've ever been. It was as peaceful as it's ever been in Israel. And Solomon, it's because of his wisdom, which God gave to him. Do you know he was the wisest man next to Jesus ever to walk the face of the earth? And so Solomon lives and he begins his life with incredible wisdom and he honors the Lord. In fact, he actually gets the great privilege of building God's temple in Jerusalem. And it's unbelievably fabulous. Uh, we, we calculated at one time what it would have cost today to build that temple and it's in the uh, billions, with a B, dollars to build a place of worship. One room of which only got entered once a year. And it was all for God's glory. And Solomon just, he had incredible wisdom. And God also then gave him incredible wealth. And, uh, but unfortunately, Solomon ignored some of the commands that God gave him, which he said, Solomon, guard your heart. Don't uh, turn after or marry uh, women of foreign cultures because they're going to draw your heart away from me and toward their false gods. And what did Solomon do? He didn't listen. And he married those who were of a different faith and and it caused all kinds of heartache in his life and uh, all kinds of heartache really for all of Israel. In fact, uh, he just started seeking pleasure to where it was upwards of a thousand women that were either his wife or concubine. And he sought pleasure in everything, in his wealth, in his material possessions, in sex, and in everything he sought pleasure. And he eventually, not only did he build the temple to the Lord, but then he built temples to false gods, some of which actually require child sacrifice. So it's possible Solomon was even a murderer. And Solomon, as he gets to the end of his life, after starting with great wisdom and then turning to much folly, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, I believe, looking back as a warning, saying, don't make the stupid mistakes I made. Keep your heart fully to the Lord. And today he's going to get to the end of the matter. And he's going to summarize all of this at the end of chapter 12. 
And what we're going to do today is we're just going to look at this last chapter of Ecclesiastes together. So uh, you can turn in your Bible if you like, otherwise it'll be on the screen. I'm going to read again from the New Living Translation, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Uh, but before we get there, let me pray. And then we're going to work through this last chapter of Ecclesiastes together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace to us through him, your goodness to us. Lord, thanks for uh, the wisdom you gave to Solomon that we can benefit from. And thank you for his example and then his, his writing at the end of his life, warning us not to follow his path. To do what he says, but not necessarily what he does. Jesus, would you, would you teach us that this morning? Remind us that life is short and it's meant to be enjoyed, but also meant to be honoring to you and that that's really where our true purpose and meaning is found. Lord, I would imagine this time of year into the holidays, there's many who are searching for meaning and for purpose. And uh, Jesus, would you draw their hearts toward you? Maybe even today, because that's truly where it is. So, uh, Holy Spirit, teach us. I pray against the enemy as servants their works and effects. He would uh, lead us not in truth, but um, in foolishness and would cause us to turn from your word. Instead, uh, let your word pierce us and change us and make us more like Jesus. I pray all this through him. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Well, here's the first thing I would commend to you today is that the sooner, and Solomon's gonna commend it too, the sooner that you turn to Jesus the better. The sooner you turn to Jesus in your life, the better. Kids, are you here today still? The sooner, while you're young, Solomon's going to say, the sooner you turn to Jesus, the better your life is going to be. Let's read together. Starting in, in verse one, he says, uh, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Would you agree that sometimes when you're young, those of you who are not young anymore, we will just say it that way. Would you agree that when you're young, like the excitement of youth and just the busyness of youth and the, the joy of life can cause you to forget your creator and you can just live a life. And it doesn't just happen when you're young, does it? It's a, this is a word not just for the young, but for all of us. Don't forget your creator. Instead, Solomon advises, and remember Solomon's looking back on his life to his youth when he did acknowledge his creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say that life is not pleasant anymore. In other words, he's saying don't forget your creator. Solomon reminds us not to forget our creator and he tells us to do it in our youth while we're young, while there's still hope, while there's Still opportunity, we're going to see. And, you know, these first eight verses of chapter 12 in Ecclesiastes are considered by many scholars to be some of the most beautiful words in all the Scripture. Along with Ecclesiastes 3, they rank up there with some of the most beautiful Hebrew poetry ever written. And he writes here about uh, the end of life. And it's It's beautiful. He reminds us to remember our creator. And, and by the way, as we're going through this, just, just to keep in mind, you've maybe heard me say this, but whenever God says to remember something, it's never to remember it because those were the good old days. In fact, Solomon actually warned us of that earlier in this book, didn't he? He said uh, to, to just remember the past is for the past's sake is folly. Don't just remember it for the good old days. 
Whenever, every time that God says remember, sometimes it's remembering a pain, sometimes it's remembering his faithfulness. Every single time, it's always with view to the present and the future. Because he either wants you to learn from that and grow closer to him in the present and future, or he wants to say, hey, was I good to you then? You can trust me to be good to you now and going forward. So whenever God says remember, it's always with life looking forward, okay? So Solomon reminds us to remember. He says, uh, again, let me read verse one again. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old. And then you say, life is not pleasant anymore. And here's, here starts a lot of the poetry, the poetic side of it. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. You know, he's saying there's a storm coming. Your life is coming to an end and he, he likens it to a storm. And when the storm comes, the, the clouds roll in and the sun grows dim, the moon grows dim, the stars grow dim and rain clouds continually darken the sky. Many of you, you've been around loved ones or friends who you've watched uh, go down that journey and that experience of death, and that's accurate, isn't it? It's like towards the end of life, oftentimes, not for everyone, but for many, it's like this, 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 these clouds just start to roll in and things start to go dim and dark and it's just, it's dreary and it's the end. He says, remember him before that happens. Now, hopefully, even it, during that time, you would remember him, right? And it's not too late even during that time to remember him. But if you would remember him before those things happen, think of the joy that could be yours in days that aren't cloudy and stormy. Next, Solomon goes on in his poem, and he compares getting old to the deterioration of an old house, or really, I, in my opinion, I think he's speaking of even his own house, his own palace here. Look at what he writes. He says, remember him before your legs, that is the guards of your house, start to tremble. See, Solomon was incredibly wealthy, he had a huge palace, he, he had guards to his house, right? You and I, I don't, I don't have a guard, maybe you've got a dog who guards your house, but, but you probably don't have guards like Solomon did. But that's the metaphor he's using. And so remember before your legs start to tremble, before your shoulders, the strong men of your house stoop, before your strong men stoop, your shoulders. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. I kind of like that one. Remember him before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. The idea that the women in the palace looking out, looking out probably at trouble that's coming, the storm that's coming. Guards, strong men, servants, women, your legs tremble, your shoulders stoop, your teeth stop grinding, your eyes see dimly. Remember him before then. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Isn't it true that like you have opportunity throughout life and then at some point, some of those opportunities, those doors begin to close and more doors close and more doors close and even the sound of work, the opportunity for work fades as you grow older. 
Solomon says, remember him before then. Now you rise, now, he says, you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all of their sounds will grow faint. You'll grow old, your body will deteriorate, you won't even be able to hear the alarm clock anymore. Remember him before that happens. Remember him, verse five, before you become fearful of falling. Before you worry about danger in the streets. He's, he's talking about growing old. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. Remember him before you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. What a pathetic image. Right? But think about it like a grasshopper. What's a grasshopper normally do? He jumps up, he flies. I mean, he's got all kinds of energy, just boing, you know, all over the place. But when it's dying, it's just barely moving. Remember him before those days. Remember him before the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire, or just desire in general. Remember him before you near the grave. And here he comes back to the image of his home, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. I wonder, your everla- where is your everlasting home? Do you know you have one? Where is it? When your day comes, who will weep at your funeral? Will they weep because you're gone or will they weep because of the everlasting home you've chosen? He continues, yes, remember your creator now while you're young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. This idea of a jar and of a bowl and of the well, water is a symbol of life all throughout scripture. And so if the jar is broken, if you can no longer pull up the bucket at the well, if the bowl that holds the water is broken, what's he talking about? He's talking about remember him before life is over when it's too late. He said, for then, verse seven, the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. He's the one who gave us life. As we sang this morning, it's your breath in our lungs. So what should we do with it? We should pour out his praise to him only. That's why we sing those things, it's true. See, in Genesis 3, 19, Right at the beginning, you are dust, and to dust you will return. Guess what? One in one, die. So remember him before then. You can never remember your creator too early, but you can remember him too late. But never too early. Everything he says then, again, he just kind of goes right back to this cycle, looking back at his life under the sun, everything, meaning everything under the sun, everything in this life, apart from living for Jesus and remembering your creator, it's all meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Friends, what God, what, what, what God and Solomon are commending here is a Jesus-centered life. He's commending for your life to be centered on God. It means that Jesus is at the center of everything. Or, or as we like to say it, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. 
It's all about him. He's to be at the center. Even, even God the Father, he delights to do what? Exalt the Son and the Holy Spirit, the helper. What does the Holy Spirit do? Whatever Jesus tells him to do. That's what Jesus said. It's all, friends, about Jesus Christ. History revolves around his life. We literally count time around his life. It's all about him. Is he at the center of your life? You're like, yeah, that sounds great, Josh, but how does this work? All right, where are, where are the kids at? You guys still here? Anybody want to come up here and help me? A bunch of you can come up. I don't care. Come on up. Just come on up. A bunch of you. Just come on down. It's like the price is right. We need some music. Da, 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 da. All right, just have a seat down here. Have a seat. So here, here's what I've got, guys. I've got, um, I raided the closet and found some stuff. I got this jar, and I think I even got a picture of it on the screen to show you, but this, this jar here represents your life, right? I've got two of them even, and all the stuff in it is all the stuff of life, like good things. What are some good things about life or in your life? What do you got? Just shout them out. Anybody? What's that? Say it one more time, buddy. Believing. Believing. That's a good thing. Absolutely. What else? Living. What, what are some things? Think about things or people in your life. Nature. Nature. Friends. Friends. Food. Food, right? Yeah, right after Thanksgiving. Food. <laughs> Parents. Yeah, all of those things, right? Friends. Friends. Toys. All kinds of good stuff. That's what, that's what kind of all these things in your life are, all these little, little pearls. And then there's this big one. You see, see what it says on there? Jesus, right? Now, a lot of times, the way we live our life is we just throw all of our stuff and everything that we want, and we cram it into our life, everything we can, and then we go, oh, yeah, I forgot Jesus. We try to put him in, and it doesn't quite work. How in the world do I make him the center? What do I have to do here? What do I have to do? Okay. Maybe I can say that one more time, pal. Put it under, so I could do it like that. Okay, that kind of works. What else? What's another idea? Take some of this out. How much of it? A little? So I put a little out. It still doesn't fit. What do you got? At least half of it out. All right. He still doesn't fit. What do I need to do? Hey, that's an idea, right? If we take it all out, so we empty out everything. Van, can you help me out? Yeah. There you go. There's my life. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I put Jesus back in the center, right? And now what can I begin to do? I can begin to put everything back in. Why don't you help, help me out? Put everything back in there. Do your best. Now, we got it in there. Awesome. We got it in there, but we... <laughs> Be careful walking down here later. Before your, what Solomon say, your legs tremble, they might. 
All right, great. So, hey, we got everything back in there. <laughs> we got everything back in there, and Jesus in the center, but not everything fit back in, did it? And to make him the center, in some ways, we had to empty our lives of everything else, put him in the center, and then begin to orient life around him. That's kind of what it looks like to center your life around Jesus. Thanks for your guys' help. Give me a hand. You guys can have a seat. But isn't it true? A lot of times you've got to empty out your life. You've got to get rid of certain things in order for Jesus to take prominence at the center of your life. And that's a small object lesson, but it's really true. For Jesus to be the center, you're going to have to prune some things away. Sometimes even some really good things. Or else all the other things we try to stuff our life with become an idol when Jesus is the one who demands to be worshipped and needs to be at the center. And Solomon is saying, hey, listen, remember your creator while you're young. Before your life gets filled up with all these other things, remember your creator. That's the idea. Don't forget him. See, friends, everyone at some point in time Solomon's telling you to get to know your creator because everyone at some point in time is going to get to know their creator. And it's much better to get to know him before you die than after you die. Did you catch that? Because everyone will get to know their creator and it's good to know him before you die rather than after you die. See, it says verse 6 again, remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home. I said, you can remember him too late, but never too early. See, this this poem, sometimes this poem might just sound like it's just for young people. Oh, it's just, oh, remember God in your youth. Remember him while you're young, before it's too late. And you're thinking, well, I'm old now, and I've I've already stuffed my life full of this stuff. And listen, no, no, it's a word for all of us, no matter what our age is. Growing old and facing death are some of the hardest parts of life. And the Bible points out, these things in a very honest way, but never bitter. I wonder, as you look forward, because you'll go through these experiences, or do you look forward, uh, and will you go through them with honesty and with joy? As Psalm 92 says, you know, evergreen through the whole process, or will you go through it in a way that's bitter because you've forgotten your creator? So if you remember him on the front end, then going through that is a joyful example to others. See, the Bible depicts aging and death with beauty and dignity. Psalm 116, 15 says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God cares about us through every part of life from conception to the grave. And we're told by Solomon here to remember our creator in our life, early in our life, before it's too late. And you know what the greatest truth is, though, in remembering our Creator? Because here's the deal. Would you agree that there's times in your life where you have not remembered your Creator? Would you agree? And would you even agree that maybe there were times this week you didn't remember your Creator? Anybody else? Yeah. But isn't it good news that even though sometimes we forget Him, The greatest truth in all of this is that he always remembers us. 
And he always remembers his promise to us. See, your salvation, remember I asked you, where's your everlasting home? Your salvation is not based on you remembering him, but on him remembering his promises to you. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then his promises to you are sure. If you put your trust in him, then then you are saved. You will be saved. You're being saved. And he keeps his promises to you because it has nothing to do with you remembering him. It has everything to do with him remembering his promises to you. Not you remembering to be faithful because you won't be, but him remembering his promises to be faithful because he has been and will be. See, even when we don't remember our creator, our creator remembers us. Isn't that great news? That's the gospel. See, Jesus promised to remember us even to the end. He said, uh, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of what he's given me, but I'll raise it up on the last day. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. See, Solomon's words about death, if you're a follower of Jesus, you you might dread it a little bit, but hopefully, because you know the truth of the gospel, it brings you joy, Right? Now, if you don't know Jesus, then yeah, all kinds of doom and gloom. But if you know Jesus, then, it, I don't know about you, but maybe when you, you hear this and Solomon talking about do all these things while you're young, like you think of Rod Stewart, you know, and that song, Forever Young. You know what song I'm talking about? Forever young, I want to be forever. You're like, Josh, you're getting weird. <laughs> you know what? If you put your trust in Jesus, one day you'll be resurrected to new life to be forever young, to never grow old, to never experience sickness again or mourning again or heartache again or pain again or suffering again or disease again or hardship again. Who knew that Rod Stewart was singing about this deep-seated desire for Jesus? But it's true. It's the longing of every heart. So today, the the scripture says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart like they did in the wilderness. Today, if you hear his voice, today, while you're still young, while you still have breath, don't harden your heart because who knows, you might get hit by a truck when you pull out of the parking lot. Today, while there's still a chance, while today is the day of salvation, remember your creator. Turn to Jesus Christ. And if you already have, don't forget that you've turned to him because he will not forget you. Amen? Amen. Now Solomon goes on. He says, turn, see, he says, the sooner you turn to Jesus, the better, and not just with your head. Look at verses 9 through 11. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise. Solomon's talking about himself here. He was considered wise. He was the wisest man to live other than Jesus. And he taught the people everything that he knew. He listened carefully to many Proverbs, studying and classifying them. The book you have of Proverbs was largely compiled by King Solomon. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. He wanted it to be clear and and applicable to life. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, he says, painful but helpful. They're collected sayings or like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. Friends, it's important to know and believe the right things, right? Right doctrine's important. 
But turning to Jesus just with your head is not enough. Now let me backtrack there a little bit. It's important to believe the right things. If you don't believe the right things, it can be incredibly damaging to you, both now and in eternity. For instance, if, if, if you get, you're an ice fisherman, right, and you see the lakes freeze over, and, and you believe the ice is strong enough to hold you, but you go out there and it's not that thick yet, it doesn't matter what you believe. You believed in the wrong thing. It's important to know and believe the right things, isn't it? It is. It's, it's incredibly important. And, and Paul warns Timothy, he says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, this is 1 Timothy 6, he's puffed up with conceit and really understands nothing. Doctrine matters, right? Belief matters, right? But simply knowing the right things is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. If you only acknowledge Jesus with your head, that knowledge is not enough. See, look at Solomon even says it in verse 12. Essentially, he says, but my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. Solomon, this guy who was incredibly wise, who compiled all these sayings, knew all these right things, he said, listen, it's good to know all these things, but if all you ever do is study those things and compile proverbs and uh, think up clever ways to live and, and all this sort of stuff and even believe it's true, like, if all you ever do is that, it wears you out and it's not profitable. Knowledge alone isn't enough. And, and this couldn't have been more clear than when, when Jesus confronted some of the Pharisees. They, they came to him and he says, you search the scriptures, you study the scriptures, you pour over the scriptures because you think that in them there's life. And he says this, he says, you're right, but they bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. See, it's right. You have to believe the right things, but knowledge alone isn't enough. It has to move from your head to your heart. It's like, I can, in other words, there's a certain sense where you have to experience it. And see, that's our next point, right? It's not just with your head, but with your heart to acknowledge him. Turn to Jesus, not just this mental ascent, but from your heart, it's like, you know what, I've never been to Paris. I've never been there. I'd like to go sometime, it looks kinda cool. I'd like to see some of the architecture there. Never been there, I've seen pictures, I've read things about it, and everything that I've seen or read, it, it, I, could, I could tell you some things about it, not a lot, but a little bit, and I'd go, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a pretty cool place. I would like to go there. But it's a whole lot different than if I'd actually been there. See, looking at it from a distance and going, oh yeah, that's pretty cool, as opposed to actually going there and living there and being there and experiencing it, it's a whole different category, isn't it? And yet way too often, uh, people will, will look at the gospel, sometimes they'll, they'll spend their whole, whole life even studying it and getting more degrees than Fahrenheit and learning all these things. And like, they, they look at it and they're like, oh yeah, I agree with that. And I can, they can parse every Greek and Hebrew word in the entire canon. And, and they get all through this. And, but at the end, they look at no, oh, that's good. But they've never gone to Paris. They've never experienced it. It's all in their head and not in their heart. I wonder, is that you? You know, it's, it's true that you can, you can spend your whole life in church, right? 
You can be born in the church, baptized in the church, go to Sunday school in the church, attend the church, give to the church, serve in the church, get married in the church, have your funeral in the church, but spend your eternity, your everlasting home in hell because you only looked at it from a distance and you never put your faith and trust truly in Jesus Christ and experienced him with your heart. Not just head, but heart. Turning to him, not just with your mind, but with all of your being. See, Solomon, that's what he says in verse 13. That's the whole story. Or the ESV says at the end of, of, of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and this is the end of the matter. He said, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Fear God and keep his commands. That's what Solomon says is the end of the matter. Fear Jesus, respect Jesus, love Jesus, honor Jesus, and keep his commands. So what does that look like to keep his commands? Well, Jesus himself said in John 14, if you love me, here's the heart piece, right? If you love me, you will keep my commands. Not just go through the motions, but if you love me, you'll truly keep them. You'll keep them. Well, Jesus gave a lot of commands, didn't he? Didn't God give a lot of commands? Jesus sums them up with very simple ones. In John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus answered them after they asked, well, what works must we do to be saved? Jesus says, this is the work of God, the work that you believe in him whom he sent. The one thing required of you is to put your faith and trust to believe in Jesus Christ. And that's the sum of the matter. Okay, so, so to fear him, Solomon says, fear God, fear Jesus, and what? Keep his commands. Well, it, listen, if I really turn to him, if I really believe in Jesus, my heart's gonna grow for him, I'm gonna love him, and I'm gonna keep his commands. And Jesus even summarized what it looks like to keep these commands, to keep all of his commands. See, see the, the teacher, the, the Pharisees were coming to him looking to trap him, and they said, teacher, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in all the Bible? In the, in the Torah alone, there were 613 commands identified. They said, which of these 613 is the greatest? And they're trying to trap him, we find out from the text, and probably on the side going, hey, if he, if he says this one, I'm going to come back with these three. If he says that one, why don't you throw out those four? And Jesus just totally stumps him. He summarizes all of God's commands of how to obey into two things. He said to them, here's the greatest command. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Friends, to turn to him, not just with your head, but with your heart, to fear God and to keep his commands means that you believe in Jesus Christ, the one whom he sent. And then to obey him, means to love him and to love others that he's created. To love God and love others. And if you do those two things, you'll fulfill everything that Jesus ever commanded you to do. That's Solomon's conclusion. Fear Jesus and keep his commandments. Friends, if you've never trusted Jesus, I encourage you, go to Paris. 
experience it. Trust him. Put your faith in him. He will not let you down and he will remember his promise to you that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us through him, your goodness to us in him. Lord, thanks to that um, the work you've begun in us, you promised to finish. That what you've started, you won't uh, let waste away, but that even while we often can forget you at different times through our life, uh, you never forget us. Yet help us to remember you, to remember you even while we're young. I pray for each of the kids in the room, Lord, um, that they might come to trust you and love you at a young age, that they'd avoid uh, some of the hardships of life that uh, many of us have experienced, that Solomon surely experienced, and that they would live a life honoring to you and walk with you for a lifetime. Lord, help us to, to fear you, to keep your commands, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as, as we close this morning, uh, I'm gonna invite Pastor Dan up and uh, just have some things to, to share with you as a church family. And uh, rather than uh, just kind of fumble my way through, I'm gonna go ahead and, and read a letter here. And uh, I'll just, I'll start, start there. Um, Wawasee Church family, this is a letter from me to you. As we saw in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 last Sunday, life is full of seasons. Some pleasant, some hard, some bad, but others good. By God's grace, we've had a very, very good season of ministry in our kids' ministry for the last five years. Amen? Uh, Pastor Dan was hired from within our congregation in January of 2014 and was tasked with developing a brand new format for our kids' ministry. Some of you, maybe you've come since then, you don't realize that, that uh, everything that happens back there, uh, Pastor Dan built. And uh, he built it uh, on the hard work of, of many volunteers who did kids' ministry here in different ways in the past, but in terms of the format of how we do it, uh, he's credited with, with a lot of good things back there. Uh, he successfully led significant change in how we accomplish kids' ministry, developing and deploying Wallace Kids on Sunday mornings. It's been fun to watch, and we've seen a lot of fruit from Dan's work. Uh, recently, Dan let me know that over the last year, God's been making it clear that this season of his life is coming to a close and a new one is beginning. After the first of the year, Dan will be stepping away from full-time ministry to begin a new job outside of the church, Having said that, he's not leaving our church. He said while well, he plans to plans are to change employment, he's not planning to step away from Wabasi Bible or from serving here. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm grateful for that. And uh, going forward, Dan will continue to be involved in Wabasi Kids, helping as we transition to new leadership. And even after that, his desire is to continue serving in Wabasi Kids as a volunteer. As many of you know, Dan also developed and uh, really from scratch and leads our preteen ministry. And uh, he wants to continue leading that. And so he said, we want him to continue <laughs> leading that. 
for our fifth and sixth grade students and he's done a great, or fourth and fifth, excuse me. Fifth and sixth, yeah. Um, and he's done a great job with that. Um, personally, I, I'm sad to see this season come to a close. And uh, I'm also incredibly grateful for you, Dan, for your contribution to our ministry, for you as a person, for your family, um, for who God's made you to be. And um, because of that, I'm, I'm thrilled that you'll still be around leading and serving. And uh, I know everyone else is too, right? Um, yeah. And there's a, there's a copy of this letter at the Connect desk you can take on your way, way out, as well as a note from Dan on there as well. And uh, I don't know if you know it, but in January would have been five years of ministry for Dan. And uh, we had planned, Dan, we had a gift for you for five years of ministry. And so instead, we're just going to give it to you now. It's a crummy mug. <laughs> Actually, it's more than just a regular mug, but you can take that. And there's a card with some things in there. And uh, would you join me again just in thanking Dan? And, and really, not just him, but, but Tanya and his family, because ministry takes a huge toll on families, too. So Dan's going to continue to be around. Um, we'll work through our transition. We'll announce more when we know more. Would you join me? Can we pray for you? And um, let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us. Thanks for, uh, Lord, my friend and brother Dan and uh, his ministry and all that he's given to serve in the church from music to students to kids over the years on the board as a pastor. Lord, I'm grateful for him, uh, for Tanya, for their boys. I pray that you'd continue to, um, to bless him, to encourage him, that this transition uh, to a new season for them would be nothing but good and uh, that you would bring... Uh, bring joy uh, to them and uh, uh, increase to them and, and blessing and, and every good metaphor I could think of, Lord, I pray that over them for your blessing. So guard them during this time. Uh, guard our church too, Lord, as we seek to fill big shoes and um, to continue uh, and carry on with Dan's begun, what you've begun through him. And Jesus, we pray all this through you. It's all yours. Amen. Thanks, man. So with that, um, you can grab one of those letters on your way out. I hope to see you Wednesday night for night of worship. And uh, Dan, you're loved. And the rest of you, you are loved. We'll see you next week.